The following program is sponsored by Victorian Finance. Welcome to the program, Real Estate with Sonny Bringle. This program is sponsored by Victorian Finance. I'm Gary Dixon and Sonny, good to see you again. Gary, it's been a while. It has been a while and uh, we're happy to see you and a bunch of new guests in the studio uh, once again. We're anxious to see who your new guests are and especially your topic for today. So what is that going to be? Thank you, Gary. Let me first introduce our our guest that we have today. And we have uh, Karen Marshall, realtor extraordinaire. Karen has been in industry for a while and has established herself as the preeminent realtor in Western PA. Uh, She's a standard by which a lot of people reference that if I, in my career, if I get to Karen Marshall's level, I've reached the point that I'm always trying to achieve towards. She's respected in every level. There's not a comment you're going to get otherwise from anybody of knowing her professionalism and success in this industry. So we're ecstatic that she joined us today. Thanks for taking the time because I'm sure your your phone is be buzzing off the hook this entire time of the, the recording. But she's also operating principal of Pittsburgh South and Peter Township Market Centers for Keller Williams. She does luxury homes and global property specialist team leader. And she's part of the Karen Marshall Group and has a team of people that help her out every day. I'm just thankful to be here to uh, be able to share some of the information that we've experienced over the last 30 years of building in the uh, metropolitan area. Thank you, Karen. And with Karen, uh, Mr. Barrett Hoskins, builder with Benjamin Marcus Homes, who was voted the builder of the year. Are you excited because he's going to be the builder that we're talking today specifically about empty nesters and the products they're after? Yes, uh, thanks for having me, and I'm happy to be here. And also with us today is DJ Hamill from Victorian Finance. He's our uh, sales manager for Western PA and finds a way to make sure all these houses get financed. (laughs) It's the extraordinary job of making the financial colonoscopy that we give all our clients, make it easy as possible. (laughs) And so today we're going to talk about empty nesters, many different buyers of properties and transactions and people with newborns or first-time home buyers, families, couples. But today is a unique topic of empty nesters. Karen, can you help define for the audience what an empty nester means? Real estate lingo, it's supposed to be 55 plus in age. Oh, there's an age, actually. There's that an actual age. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so this is when your children have gone off to college. Um, some have, that have not been able to predict that they might come back. So they, they always have that hurdle to overcome when they think they're going to a ranch-style living. And then they have a child, that, a millennial, that comes back to... To live so with them. Most of us have the assumption once the kids leave, they don't come back. Is that norm changed? That norm has changed. <laughs> we have found that repeatedly. Yeah. Are you no longer an empty nester when they return? I wonder. We'll have to get a new classification yeah. for that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure through the show we'll come up with a new term for the empty nester with returning millennials. <laughs> yeah. And so they have unique needs when the different types of properties that they're after. And that's part of the discussion today is like, what type of house would they be looking for? Would they a resale or do they typically want to build new? And if they do, what are they looking for in a house? Well, what I found, obviously, they want maintenance-free. That's the first and foremost. They're tired of their acre lots, their leaves that they have to rake. They don't want to cut grass anymore, and they don't want to go out and paint, trim, et cetera. So they're looking for that maintenance-free living and a lifestyle where they can lock it up, go on vacation, and know that the, the house is secure. And, of course, first floor living. They want all of their amenities on the first floor. Wow, so that doesn't sound necessarily like the single-family houses that we all typically have where we cut our own grass and rake our own leaves and shovel on snow. So these are like more planned unit communities or gated or more structured? Pittsburgh isn't a gated community. Um, 
they're not friendly for gated communities because of school buses, emergency vehicles, ambulances, things of that nature. They're not really big on the of, on allowing gated communities, mm-hmm. at least the townships that I've worked in. So that there are uh, planned unit developments, yes, that are just carriage homes or a mixed-use development. And the, the uh, carriage homes now that are attached seem to fall off as far as um, notoriety. People don't want to be attached. So the builders have learned to, as soon as we did the project that we're involved with now, Brookview, as soon as we detached those units, and became, they became single units, so they felt they had their independence, but they still had all the maintenance taken care of for them. Those sold like hotcakes for us. Oh, wow. So just a clarification for our listeners, uh, attached is kind of like duplex or fourplex. Correct. And not attached is a self-standing house with the walls all for itself. Correct. Even though the setbacks might only be 11 feet between the homes, they are much more um, popular for all of the populace. Yeah, because 10, 15 years ago, there was a trend to do those attached houses for the empty nesters. And you're saying that has completely changed recently? If you look at if you look at the the current sales, yes, absolutely. The the detached units are are by far sales are much more strong in that arena. Yes, I would just like to add that um, really right now it's not really a um, essence of downsizing, but more of cross sizing is what we like to call it. So it's a change in the style of living, but they still want kind of a lot of the same space that they uh, they had before. We just got done working with a customer who was wanting to build fresh. They were in Bethel Park, and um, the size patio home we built for them ended up being very close to the same size, if not a little bit bigger than the house they had before, but it was arranged differently. They had the first floor master, the first floor laundry, but then they went ahead and did two bedrooms upstairs for those returning yo-yo kind of millennial um, people, (laughs) and then they had the full finished basement with the bar, the rec room, and storage down there as well as maybe like a craft room or an exercise room. So it's really um, a very similar maybe size unit in terms of square footage from what they had before, but it's just arranged in a different way. And that's why we kind of started using the term cross-sizing versus a downsizing situation because a lot of it isn't really a change in size but a change in style. Well, that's good terminology difference. You, know, cause you said a lot there, so we'll see if I can piece that apart. So cross-sizing, you know, that you're, you're just going for a different layout. Just find a way more functional to your life. But you, when you say patio home, I always thought patio home meant your ranch with no basement. That's the image that comes to my mind. So but you, you describe something completely different from what a patio home that I hadn't right. imagined. Um, and, yeah, that is kind of a difference. And a lot of the patio homes that we're calling them that we've been building, they do have that full basement. They just uh, might not have as much room upstairs. Uh, you do maybe like a story and a half, what we call it. So it's not a full two-story home. You would have a first floor master and maybe just one or two bedrooms upstairs um, for those extra spaces that you need. And again, a lot of people are requesting for those full basements, whether they're finished or unfinished. They want that space to know they either have it for the future or they have it for storage or they want to put in a wood shop down there. Whatever their dream is, they want to fulfill in this empty nester stage in life. They want to have the space to be able to, to do those things. So is that a trend as well? Because were the, the attached houses that you described before, Karen, didn't have basements? Those are on slabs. 99% of those are on slabs. Although, like the project that we had uh, was Neville's side, they, they gave both. They, had, they offered some units because of the contours of the ground, could afford to have basements. Those were exorbitant in price compared to the slab units. But you found that, especially in Western PA, people just miss their basements. You're exactly right. Yeah. They want a place to put their stuff. 
And, you know, and being a Cajun from Louisiana, I love the basement concept. I'll never go without a basement. Well, in Louisiana, we call those indoor pools. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, <laughs> the water levels are so high that, you know, you'll never have a basement. Your pumps will be going constantly. But, you know, having a basement, I can't see now ever not having a basement. But it seems like the builders have all taken that to heart and all the designs will include a basement. Yeah, a lot of people have found that when they do move, they want to get rid of a lot of their things, but they're not going to just burn it all. So they need a place to take it, and um, those full basements are really what people want to utilize for storage and things of that nature. Now, you also mentioned that they have two stories, uh, two rooms above, one or two rooms above, but I always thought of a patio as well as complete one-level living. Every single thing I would need to live on a normal basis would be on that same level. Is that still basically the case? Um, it's really not, uh, mainly because, like I said, people, when they have those millennials or people coming in from the area, they still want people to feel like they have their privacy in their own little space. Um, so, But they also don't need that big two-story where they have four rooms upstairs to maintain. So maybe someone will do a loft or a seating area up there with one bedroom or, or something like that. But again, you still have the people that want the ranch, that want everything on one level. But we do see people that say, hey... I still am able-bodied. I want to be able to separate myself a little bit from people coming in and out of my home that are relatives. So we want to give them a dedicated space that's kind of a way, and um, we really want people to maintain their privacy and feel independent when they are in our home. I think the other issue there is the, the ground and the contours of the ground in Pennsylvania. So to, to have a tabletop baseball field, tabletop flat area is, Rare. Very difficult yeah. to find that. So then yeah. the cost of the ground goes up, the, the unit cost goes up. So it, it's a it's a mix of what you you know all the elements that you have to put into that equation to make that project work. And I think that's a very good point because um, one of the things that she's alluding to is like the lot size. So if your lot is only forty seven feet wide for a standard patio home size lot or fifty feet wide, there's only so much you can fit in that footprint with the setbacks that are required in the different municipalities to get the space that people want. So you can only go out so far and deep so far. So the only other option is to go down into the basement or go up and do some living upstairs. So the master bedroom, kitchen, all the functional things, if you and your spouse are there, you can do it all one level. And always with an attached garage. Yeah. Most of the units that we have um, have two bedrooms or a bedroom and a den, but two full baths a lot of times on the first floor. So you can accommodate a mother-in-law if you have to have them with you on the first floor okay. or the snoring husband who's going to go in the other bedroom. But they'll always have their own separate baths still on the first floor. If you're just joining us, this program is Real Estate with Sunny Bringle. Sunny is a president and the owner of Victorian Finance. Victorian Finance provides residential mortgages. They have a phone number you can call if you're interested in talking to them. That's 888-333-0191. The website is realestatewithsunnybringle.com. Happens to be the same name as this program. We encourage you to go to the website and ask a question for us to address on a future program. And now, back to Sunny. Thank you, Gary. DJ, had some, you wanted to add something about maintenance um, yeah, as well? Just listening to the conversation is one thing I was drawing my curiosity is how the maintenance-free life works with a single-family house. We find that mostly uh, if there's an HOA in place where people get their grass cut, the snow removal done, that's as much low maintenance as they really need, and it's nice to know that those things are taken care of for them. But the peace of mind of not sharing a wall with someone uh, has been outweighing really the need to, to have these units all attached together. And I think it's very comforting for some people to know that if their neighbor's roof goes bad, they will not get assessed to fix it. So 
they have some own in, their own independence and, and like I said, a peace of mind that there's not going to be hidden costs in the future based on other people's units structurally. Does that make the HOA fees higher or lower? I say it makes them lower because they're not doing any uh, of a condominium association where you have all these capital reserves for improvements. It's your flat fee of 150 or 175 bucks a month for the common elements, the landscaping, the weed pooling, the entrance monument, and the snow removal. Now, and that's the same contractor that the same person doing it would do it for all the units in the homeowners association. Correct. Yeah. Usually, the HOA would hire the grass cutter who's going to cut everyone's lawns on the same day. Well, I mean, that's a huge burden off my shoulders as well, trying to track down a good person for snow and grass. I don't have to worry about finding those people to do it. So the Homeowners Association manages them well and makes sure if they don't show up on time, they're calling them. I don't have to call them. Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah, the, the, the management companies typically handle all of that. And that's really uh, the way we have been setting them up as a uh, home builder and developer that the HOAs are run by a management company. They do their monthly audits. They do the drive-bys to the neighborhood. That allows neighbors to be to stay friends, and they're all policing each other. No one wants to have to tell their neighbor, hey, you didn't take in your trash can this week. It really makes it a lot nicer and keeps everybody um, on the same page rather than bickering over silly uh, items that really don't matter. Okay. And what about modifications or if you have to have your house repainted or something like that, that still the HOA controls that or you're in control? Usually you're on your own um, with those type of items, and you don't really need approval for interior things. Now, if you want to put up a fence or do an addition, a lot of times the HOA needs to sign off on those type of things. But on the inside of your house, if you want to repaint it, that's up to you. You own your structure, you own your lot, and you own your house. And um, that's that's what you're paying for, and that's what people have really started gravitating towards. And the design of these areas are, are becoming communal. They, they have a lot of other ancillary parts to the to the common areas that they add in, parks or sidewalks or walking areas or we just uh, were working with Karen on a project where that was the case. It was bordering um, the Peters uh, Trail, the Montour Trail, and there was a bridge and an access to get to the trail from this development so they could walk up, um, get some exercise, walk their dogs, and a lot of other communities are having the same thing, common elements to enjoy uh, recreation and things of that nature. Now, I have to go back to a comment you made about yo-yos. Yeah, that, now, that's a term I haven't heard yet, but that's awesome. Like uh, children coming in, deciding to live there and not live there and coming back and forth. So uh, is there a limit to how many cars you can have in a driveway? <laughs> well, uh, it really just depends on how big your driveway is. Uh, a lot of the ones we've done are a two-car garage um, with a, uh, a room for two cars in the driveway uh, minimum. And you get some on-street parking uh, depending on the municipal uh, the municipality and what their laws and regulations are. But it really just depends on the development and how it's structured. But there's usually plenty of room for parking uh, once you have the two cars in the garage. Yeah, but I backed into a yo-yo's car uh, <laughs> out of my garage not too long ago because I didn't know he had come back. So that can happen to you. <laughs> that actually happened to us. Uh, I was visiting my dad and my stepbrother backed into my truck that I had about a week, sideswiped the whole thing. And uh, yeah. it was kind of funny because he didn't know I was there because I'm usually never there. And I didn't know he was there. And this thing's kind of happened. So we're on the same page on that. Yep. <laughs> Well, I'm just, the yo-yo name is going to stick with me. Yeah, it's like yeah, the, uh, I can probably apply that to other things too. But. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, well, with all the design of the houses, we get bedrooms and everything. But what kind of little amenities do people ask for today that are a little different than the past? 
Well, a lot of people are looking for uh, the ability to do the aging in place, which really is a future planning new aspect. New term. Wait, I've got to interrupt you. That's another new term. So I, I'm just going to invite you on every time. We'll get to new terms <laughs> the whole way through the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like to call it aging in place because these are people, like Karen said, maybe 55 and older. That And people are living a lot longer now, and they're making the investment in these homes, and they want to be able to stay there for a long period of time. So there's a lot of future planning involved on, on these customers' parts, whether they want to put in an area for a shaft for a future elevator, or they want to do all their doors ADA accessible so that they know if they ever become um, disabled or in a wheelchair temporarily or permanently that they can still live in the house of their dreams that they just built and made this giant investment in. So wider door openings, um, easy tubs to get in and out of, and a lot of people are getting away from the tubs altogether and they just want to walk in shower that they know they could put a shower seat in and use whether they're 55 or 85. And I think that's really important for people that they don't want to have a huge upset in their life if something were to happen down the road. No, that's huge. The plan for aging in place, you know, the door sizes, ADA, that you, you, when you buy a house and you're fully functioning, you don't think about those things and planning for this to be in your, it's a great term. I, I love the phrase aging in place so that the house can be versatile enough for your the next 30 years. Because you know, what is the average age of an empty nester buying a house today? Karen? Yeah. I'd say they're in their 60s, definitely in their 60s. So in 90s seems like a common age that people are living too. So 30 years is definitely in the mix of this being your home for the next 30 years. Exactly. And their yeah. roof will last that long. Yeah. Like we said, there's not going to be a whole lot of maintenance because these products are new. So the warranties on their, I mean, there's nothing they're going to have to replace initially we can, for many years. Can you have like rotating color countertops that go from this lime green to this white to this peach back to white again? Because you look at the age difference of houses, you get the difference in color. It all comes back, though. It all comes around again. Yeah, everything goes in a cycle, so eventually what's out of style will be in style again. So if you just hang on and wait, it'll eventually uh, go full circle. But, you know, it's interesting that you, you, nobody gets tubs anymore, that they right. stick with showers and standing environments, but they just want a stool or something in the shower to sit in. They don't necessarily want a tub to sit in. And they also realize that they can have a much larger usable bathroom if they forego the space that, that tub usually would take. So they can have a shower that's double the size or they can just have more space in there, do a makeup counter, do some other things uh, with that extra space that's freed up by not having the tub. Now, as far as resellability, how resellable have you found these to be? These are new constructions, so people buying them, but have you gone through a lot of resales yet of them? Um, at the Neville side site that we had, uh, I, I would think that almost everything that was up for resale has already been resold again. Oh, okay. It's a great location, close to town. Uh, Units were wide open. That's what everyone wants. Uh, some had dining rooms. Some did not. A lot of people want to give up that dining room suit. So the, the vaulted ceilings, the uh, trim work, all the extras, um, speaker systems, things of that nature that they didn't have in their last house, they're, they're getting in this house. Well, that's actually a good point is that are dining rooms existing anymore? Yeah. Not so many. Yeah. We don't find very many at all. We we're building over at Brookview total open spaces, living room, dining room, kitchen, all open and combined. So people are getting rid of the uh, the formal living room, like the family room, living room, all on one floor, just everything open? Yeah, typically they are all flowing into one giant flexible space. So you have an eat-in area of your kitchen that doubles as a dinette area, but there's no actual walls separating those areas, and it would flow directly into the great room or the family room with the vaulted ceiling. So it's one big flexible space that if you have a ton of people over, you can put as big of a table as you want with as many leaves as you want to extend that table for that Thanksgiving dinner. But then once that's over, it goes back to kind of business as usual and you have all the space that you had before 
that were uh, was dedicated to other things. Could I ask if you're willing to give us a few locations? Say, I, I'm thinking of a person driving around, maybe listening to this, and says, I'd like to find a place like this to look at. I see what these type communities look like. Is there an example of some that we could drive by and would be a good example of what we're talking about today? Well, as I said, the one um, is in Peters Township. It's called Brookview. Okay. We have one lot remaining, and we have a spec home up right now. Um, that one would attaches to the Montour Trail. We have... Uh, one that will be coming on board, also in Peters Township, it'll be a mixed-use community. Um, that'll be off Thompsonville Road. We have uh, Neville Side is still over in Collier Township. Neville Wood is still there. I mean, there's right. so there, Water Dam Plaza. There's many. Evergreen okay. is in Peters. Right. And there's also another new development coming on uh, right near the South Hills Village Mall that's called Siena, and there will be 21 patio homes and 12 townhouses there mm-hmm. um, that will all be higher-end um, aging in place type situations, like I said, with those elevator shafts, ADA accessible, and all the things that people have come to expect from new construction, but in a, a package that's geared toward the empty nester rather than the uh, new family or the established family that just needs a little more space. Well, it sounds great. Sonny, can I get you to sign this loan agreement uh, <laughs> for me right now? Uh, did we pre-approve you? <laughs> did we yeah. run your credit you, six I, months ago? I think you pre-disapproved me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, we. Uh, however, I've been bribed several times by Gary to prove his uh, uh, his empty uh, his yo-yo. <laughs> right, that's right. If you could give him a loan so he can get his own house, I'd I'd love it. Well, and, and getting to that, financing these properties, they're high quality properties. They're new construction that has a little bit few nuances to them. But DJ, you have any insight on the ease of which to get them financed? Well, the single family homes are obviously much easier to deal with. Uh, then uh, if they're classified as a condo, which I assume some of these might be, I don't, you right. know, could be classified as a condo, which can change the financing, um, makes it a little bit more uh, involved to make sure the condo qualifies itself, especially when it's at the, the beginning stage of a association because getting the association's finances approved as well as the individual buyer. And it sounds like these are single family houses. They'll be classified by appraisal rights as single family houses. But they have an HOA, and they do have condominium documents. So. But so they're plan unit developments. Yes. So they're puds. So they are. They, so they're standalone, but they still have the liabilities of the condo association or homeowners association Correct. to go with that. They are tough at the beginning. Well, because especially when they're new, because the homeowners associations have to prove their viability and sustainability to uh, having people not some people not paying their homeowners association dues. So there's delinquency rates that may affect the overall quality of the. Of the subdivision. And they always want to see, are, are we permitting any to be rentals also yeah. when they're checking the documents? Yeah. Well, that's true. So is, a, is there a lot of investment properties in these? Yeah. I don't think as many. As, yeah. uh, not at, not at 400000 500000 no. yeah. yeah. At two hundred, yes. Now, now, since these are empty nesters and that the average age you say in the 60s, reverse mortgages come into play that you can use those to buy a house. It's highly difficult. It's a challenge, but it is definitely something you can do and help you with. But it's a path in which you can still not have a mortgage payment, do a reverse mortgage when you buy the actual house. But be ready for some paperwork. Well, and I think on a reverse mortgage, too, is uh, making sure you're with somebody that can explain what a reverse mortgage really is, how it works, what you're getting yourself into so you don't regret any decisions. Um, you know, because it, it does open up a lot of options for a lot of people. And the fact that people are trying to retire earlier or later can change you know, whether it's a good fit for them or not. But one thing you mentioned earlier that I didn't understand, what is a mixed use? You, you said it was a mixed use community. 
What was that? That'll have those uh, usually have a combination of single family homes, townhouses, carriage homes, or patio homes. So it'll be a mixed use um, within that that acreage that we're developing. Right. So defining that as well from a financing aspect can be, you know, making sure that we have the right information up front so we know what we're getting into, um, you know, versus just a regular single family home. So that's where it's good to be working with somebody that knows uh, that anybody doing the financing needs a lot more information up front from the agent and the builder, the HOA to make sure there's no problems down the road. Well, that's what we like to we like to look at things far enough in advance. So the typical time frame that people have in finding these houses, they've, they've been shopping for a while or they just come across this because we like to do credit file underwrites or pre-approvals well in advance. For us, typically what we find is um, we either have a customer come to us that says, I want to build from scratch. Here are all of my ideas. So they give us their pre-approval up front. But then while we're building the house, we supply the bank with all the plans, all the specifications, so they can get that appraisal done in advance and all that needs to be done is that final inspection at the end to make sure that everything is completed per the contract and per the plans and specifications. So that really makes it a smooth transition. Or we have our spec homes that are finished models for sale because you always have to have product and inventory out there for people to see so they know what you're actually building. And um, those are usually pretty easy, like 45-day closes a lot of times. Uh, these are established buyers, established people maybe at the pinnacle of their professional careers that are just looking for a change, and it's usually pretty easy to get these deals done. Thank you. I think we're at the end of our time. Thank you, Barrett. I've learned a lot of new terms today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Karen, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Yeah, DJ as well. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks thank to you. all of you for joining us on the program today, Real Estate with Sunny Bringle, sponsored by Victorian Finance. Sonny's the president and owner of Victorian Finance. So a couple of ways to contact Victorian Finance. One is just to pick up the phone and dial 888-333-0191. And, of course, there's the website, the same name as this program, realestatewithsunnybringle.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next time, Sonny. Bye, Gary. Victorian Finance LLC is a full-service mortgage lender serving the greater Pittsburgh area with offices in Bridgeville and Murraysville. Licensed by the PA Department of Banking. Lender license 21334. NMLS number 50635. Member Mortgage Bankers Association of Southwestern PA. Lend right home mortgage experts and equal housing lender. The preceding program was sponsored by Victorian Finance.